and brightest day in blackest night all other podcasts tremble in fright Losers cower before the power Oranges lust and blues you can trust Indigos feel and white ones heal Yellow scare and green ones dare That sci-fi love and black hands glove Will rock your foundation without hesitation Then Mars face evil's mind We interrupt the regularly scheduled opening of this episode for a slight disclaimer. This discussion on Parallax is relatively comprehensive, I would like to think, but it's not perfect in the sense that I'm sure there are things that all of us wanted to say or thought about after the fact or would have normally been real quick to point out, oh, we're talking Parallax and the history of the character, so we have to talk about this aspect and that. And I think there are some things basically that fell through the cracks, so I'm just saying that not just because, hey, there could be a sequel. No, just mostly saying just going... Realize that going in, so it's not a perfect discussion, but I think we did a fairly good job covering all the major bases. That's number one. Number two, definitely stay to the end because there's stuff that was added late in the game to this episode to stay to the very, very, very end. And the final disclaimer is, for some reason, if you did get one of those uh, Funko NFT parallaxes and you have not turned yours in to try to you know t- turn the token in to, to claim your physical pop, you don't have that much time left. I think it's like February 3rd or 4th. So I would recommend if you are you if you're able to get one in this time frame, make sure that a token, make sure you turn it in and claim Parallax as soon as possible. Since they're supposed to ship the second quarter, let's see if they really do. But that's it. Now on to the episode. Hey everyone, I'm Mark Marble. I'm Corwin Kroll. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 503. No woos allowed. No. <laughs> or maybe it's a new is, year. It's a no woo zone. A no I think. woo zone. Even though this, in a in a perfect world, this might be a very woo deserving episode. <laughs> depending, certainly the topic is woo deserving. Uh, what is that topic, Dan? The topic is something that you rely on for life as much as air, food, and sleep. Parallax. We're talking about <laughs> parallax. All parallax, all the time. Or no time, depending on what he's decided to retcon today. That's true, or which oh what era we're going to be talking about. Uh so the three so the three of us will be talking about parallax, the history thereof. So that will include the original Hal Jordan Parallax. It will include the entity and the retconning that that brought <laughs> for better or for worse, to our understanding of the original Parallax and everything that's happened even after the Johns run, which, of course, is even more. Which there's a little bit more to it than I thought when I was writing it, when I was typing up this timeline. There actually are things that have happened since Johns left that are relevant. It's just much like Green Lantern itself. It kind of like it kind of peaked. It's gone down. Same thing for Parallax. (laughs) But Mark, does your timeline include a mention of Nightwing's guitar? No, but you can feel free to mention that in, in the context when we get there. <laughs> <laughs> I will. Uh, so for the sake of argument here, uh, our discussion, it's much which I really meant. But we, though we, if we argue, it'll make for a more exciting episode. 
the I broke I broke this down into three basic eras. So we have the classic era, which basically is otherwise known as the Mars Banks era. And that'll be 94 to 98. And we'll talk about that, obviously, in detail in a minute. I broke it down after that into the Johns era, which I pick up from. I basically run it from 99 to 2013 because he was the one involved with making Hal the Spectre to begin with and doing a lot of stuff with JSA as with Hal the Spectre. And there were it all basically falls under the it all was the blueprints for everything that came and played out in that storyline actually or that era all began with John's anyway from once Hal became the specter. So I ran it to the, from basically the first time, the first time Jeff Johns was playing around with Hal till the time he left. (laughs) And then I have from 2013 till now, even though there hasn't been much in the now department, I basically just call that the, the bun convergence era because that's been the, those, I almost threw Venditti's name in there, which I, which I guess is fair because of lights out. But other than that, and that didn't really, and that really wouldn't count because as we'll talk about, Parallax itself didn't have much to do with Lights Out. That I, Bun, Bun was more relevant because to throw it in with la- labeling it as such because of the Sinestro book and because. I don't of know, the, man. I think, I think Bun conversion sounds like something you should be taking some <laughs> over the counter medication for <laughs> or something from something coming out of the oven. <laughs> it's, it's a new Bun convergence oven. So yeah, so that pretty much will get us up to where we are now in this and our parallax retrospective. So any, so before we start diving into the, fir- the first era, anybody have any opening thoughts you want to throw out? You don't have to, I'm just saying, I don't want to monopolize talking here. You know, I was thinking about this earlier today and this is, it's technically parallax related in that, you know, my, my first exposure to Hal Jordan and Sinestro was seeing them on a few random episodes of super friends but my first exposure to them in a comic book was seeing Hal beat Sinestro to death in the final issue of of uh, Emerald Twilight, which was my first issue of Emerald Twilight. So that that was a wild introduction to these two characters. He was asking for it. He's always asking for it. I feel I kind of feel like Emerald Twilight is the shadow that hangs over the parallax concept because like. There's so many people that kind of can't forgive the events of Emerald Twilight that it taints the way that they look at Parallax. That's very nicely put. And that probably is a good. And obviously, as Dan just so perfectly segued us into the beginning of of Parallax as a force and a character in the DCU was in Emerald Twilight, which was in 1994, even even so, even though in a way. That's the first introduction to what we were going to know as Parallax. It's not like he was named Parallax in that issue, nor was the final costume design done in that issue. But the idea of and I agree with you and your basic point was I I agree with that, actually, the fact that and I was thinking about that today, too, that if if DC wasn't so damn concerned with making that transition. From getting rid of Hal to bringing in a new Green Lantern, that it had to be by issue 50. And they were less concerned about that and also more concerned about doing a transition that was a little more believable. I do think going along with your idea of people not being able to get beyond kind of like having the stain of Emerald Twilight on Parallax, that I think that character would have had a better chance of being accepted 
and becoming more like a Magneto character, which he certainly was capable of being if he was again, if he had been allowed to continue, which we'll talk about that too. The fact that there were so many things about Parallax in the original era that unfortunately his creator didn't have much to say, much say in as far as what, ha- you know, what Parallax was going to be doing and when Parallax was not going to be doing anything anymore. But I do think the stain of, yes, the forced transition and the un, the mere fact that, hey, house that, that infamous issue 47 of Green Lantern, when he and Ollie were teamed up and Hal didn't seem so screwed up then, did he? <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, hey, he, he kind of like, he can water off a duck's back. He seemed pretty okay about Co-City being destroyed, didn't he? And then... Well, right immediately after Ollie left, Hal reached in his pocket and realized that, oh, oh crap, he... He ran out of medica- medication for his bun conversion. <laughs> <laughs> Coming soon, the bun air fryer. Uh, uh, anything you want to say yet, Corwin? I don't want to monopolize, and I'm not looking at the screen no, if you were no. raising your hand. <laughs> Just no, no, um, not really. Again, I, this was, you know, before my time. I didn't come in until much, much later. And even though I have gone back and read the whole um, Emerald Twilight stuff, I even after that, I haven't read a majority of the stuff with Parallax. So, yeah. Did you say you did, or you had, or you didn't? I have read. not. Oh, that's I have interesting. Not read some of that older stuff. So. And to me, the this, to me, the, the this era that we're talking about now is the not only because the character, and and I'll and I've mentioned this before, but I'll mention this obviously in this episode because it'll be relevant. Uh, that the character of Parallax just. I just it just resonated with me because I became a Green Lantern fan after Hal was already parallaxed. I didn't really start reading this book until Kyle to issue 51. And then, as I've said before, it's like it's kind of funny. I put Green Lantern when I was working at Walden Books. I remember putting out Green Lantern 50 on the rack and I kind of just flipped through it. And just and just without reading it, you flip through it and you see Hal in a different costume. And I was like, this doesn't seem like a big deal. <laughs> Uh, but of course, I did also. I didn't also. I had not also read either of the other two issues. But it's just. But I became a Hal fan, and I became a Parallax fa- fan, re- you know, retroactively. So, so my so while I was, it's different than like you, Corwin, coming in after the fact and still and having to play catch up. And and again, that's going to be the people's views on Parallax, and even looking back at how they would view the classic stuff now, because now we have what the ret we can't help but think of the retcon. And even though it doesn't fit really well in many instances, we can't help but think about it. But it does influence how you. It's like Star Wars. It's like how you how you view. How you view the original trilogy will greatly be dependent on whether you watch watch that first or whether you watched it in episodic order, because your view on four, five, and six might be dramatically different if you watch one, two, and three first. But the but original- it also, for me, it, uh, it it also affected how I viewed Green Lantern going forward. Because when I start when I first started reading Green Lantern, I was still relatively new to reading comics, and I I didn't. Know or I wasn't aware of any of like the tropes or the the stuff that have already been done with uh with uh Death of Superman or Batman's backbreaking and that kind of stuff. So like to me the I like I knew enough to know that Hal Jordan was the guy, you know, like he's the main Green Lantern or whatever. So to see them the the fact that they would actually get rid of him and replace him with someone else was mind blowing to me, and it 
it drastically impacted the way I read Kyle issues because, you know, if they're if they're willing to do this to their main character, then why would I ever believe this new guy is safe? So all of a sudden I'm seeing Kyle go up against like villain of the week monsters or like like threats that would normally be shrugged off or whatever. And in the back of my head, I don't know that he's safe. They just got look what they did to Hal. Any literally anything could happen to Kyle. And like, granted, most of that was my own naiveness because like I didn't I didn't have the perspective to understand why that none of that was true. But like it's it's kind of crazy how like Hal becoming Parallax enhanced Kyle's stories for me on a level that they absolutely did not intend. I was gonna say, and you know, the kind of the rookie thing with with Kyle as well probably played a large part in it where he was pretty unsure of himself for a while. I mean I haven't read all those issues yet either, but you know, I'm a little bit familiar with some of it. Yeah, and I think and and going along with this, you know, this whole idea with the state like the stain of Emerald Twilight that kind of like couldn't wash off a of parallax. It's the fact that unlike everything else they were doing during that, because obviously that was DC's thing at the time, you know, they killed Superman and they broke Batman. That was even, that was even in the original promotional material for Green Lantern before when it was supposed to be the Gerard Jones version of, of Emerald Twilight. That the idea that, hey, you know, we killed Superman, we broke Batman, you know, what are we going to do to Green Lantern? A look at what we're going to do to Green Lantern. That the fact that almost by design, that what they were doing with Hal was meant to stick as opposed to clearly whatever they were doing with Batman and Superman was only meant to be, you know, like a, like a, like a year or whatever, or not, or maybe not even in, in uh, it probably, it might have been in, might have been that in, for Batman. Superman went on so long, but the rea- but the thing with getting rid of Hal and the way they did it, you know, obviously that was the plan to get, I mean, they, I mean, Ron, I think, had plans to eventually bring, you know, the core back and things like that. But the reality is doing what they did with Hal was was a pretty was it shows you what they thought of. They thought of the character, too, at the time, because this isn't something you're easily you're going to be able to shake off pretty easily and be no matter what kind of retcon you do. This was going to be something that was going to be a hard thing to a race, even though, again, some of the myths about em- about Emerald Twilight, you know, that continue like, oh, that he wiped out the whole Green Lantern Corps. Well, no, he actually didn't. I mean, if you actually go back and look at Emerald Twilight, he didn't. The only per the only person he actually, even including the retcon, the only person he actually killed was Kilowog, which is a pretty oh. b- impossible thing to come back from. But he didn't wipe out the Green Lantern Corps. Not that there was much of a core at that time. He didn't do that. He left them all power even after he took their rings. And he didn't. And whether he killed the Guardians or not is still always up for debate, because to me, the Guardians sacrificed themselves to pull all their power into Ganthet. So it it didn't look like I mean, it made it would make no sense that the they were dying just because he was absorbing the central power battery. So but I think that that does that kind of. And again, we probably we didn't go into the, you know, most most people probably know this, but again, for like Corwin mentioned, a lot of people haven't read all of these stories. So obviously the whole thing with Emerald Twilight was Coast City was destroyed at the end of Reign of the Superman. And then Hal kind of flipped his ring and tried to, re- he brought Coast City back temporarily, but then his ring ran out of energy and he wanted more. And the Guardians wanted to take away his ring and punish him. And that's when he went to head to Oa to get more power to make the, the resurrection of Coast City permanent. He beat a bunch of Green Lanterns along the way, took their rings, and then eventually he had to square off with Kilowog, and he beat him. 
Then the Guardians were desperate and they brought Sinestro, who was still trapped in the central power battery at the time. They gave him a ring to face Hal. Hal went, you know, one on one, he took all, took off all the extra rings, went one on one with Sinestro, ended up breaking his neck. And then Kilowog tried to stop him again. That's when he killed, he killed Kilowog and he realized at that point he wasn't worthy anymore of being a Green Lantern. So he took the ring off and went into the central power battery, became parallax without a cape. And then crushed his ring and flew off. And that was the first appearance of what would be Parallax. We don't actually get Parallax named for a while, but we at least get, but we at least get the next, in the next appearance of Parallax, at least we get the full on costume that we remember, which was during Emerald Fallout, the Guy Gardner warrior tie-ins. That meant that little mini storyline, which was also 94. And that is where we first see Hal Jordan parallax with his cape. So that's the that's the look that we all the look that we all remember. And that is the confrontation, which suppose which which when Alan Scott talks to Kyle, I think, in issue 55 or 56, that's the that's the when he talks about a Justice League task force going to OA to explain why the guard, you know, while there's no communications with OA and everything and they get their asses handed to him by Hal. That's the storyline that. Alan is referring to because he's part of that group. So Ron Mars, I believe, has gone on record as saying that he never wrote Hal Jordan Parallax as a villain. Just, you know, he's the same old Hal, but now he has priorities that don't align with the rest of the heroes kind of thing. Correct. That's his name, which is why Daryl, which is why Daryl named him that in an and insisted when DC wanted to keep changing his name back to the protector, which is because that's the name that he was going to be at the end of the, the Gerard Jones version of Emerald Twilight after the two sets of guardians and the two, the, the two cores squared off, which was Gerard Jones version, which would have been cool. You had two sets of guardians and one was, I think basically really just entropy slash Krona pretending to be guardians that Hal has had internalized green lantern power at that point, didn't need a ring. But he finds out that the Guardians were responsible for killing his father in order to make him the man that they, in the champion they needed him to be. And he couldn't serve them anymore. So he fought for them. He fought for the real Guardians over the fake ones and over Entropy and Sinestro. But then once the battle was over with, he was going to go off on his own because he couldn't serve them anymore. But that's they were going to call. He was going to be called the protector. Then they probably copyrighted the damn thing or trademarked it, which is why they wanted it. And that's why they wanted That's why they kept insisting to make Parallax the protector. But in, besides the great costume, that's why that name is so perfect, because a para, you know, leaving out this, the outer space definition of a, of a parallax, a parallax is just when an object appears to shift, when you view it from a different direction, a different point of view. So like if when you put if you're if you're sleeping on your side on a pillow and you raise you close one eye and open the other, the pillows here and you switch eyes and the pillows down here, pillow doesn't move. But the way you're viewing it changes, and that's what, a see, parallel- what that is. What that is, Mark, is that's a hyper timeline in which the pillow existed <laughs> at that end of the bed, but it'll remerge soon. But yeah, don't worry, we'll, fa- we'll have a yeah. universe for every pillow position when we're all done. It's okay. It's, yeah, it, 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 it's still it's still the real pillow that'll fade away in five minutes if we don't pull it out of the timeline. We left uh, the real pillow in the dark sector where it uh, can have a nice nap. Any okay? So, but the, the reason it like the first time I saw that Ron Mars quote, it kind of I kind of just kind of stopped and had to think about it for a while because. I'm so used to everyone and their brother thinking of 
how becoming parallax as a villain turn like he's and i maybe it's maybe it's because ah he betrayed the green lantern corps and the guardians or like ah he he killed kilowog and sinestro like and honestly some of it might just be the art not doing him any favors because emerald twilight gives hal a a handful of very like sinister looking facial expressions at key moments and it's i don't know like i've seen i often see parallax referred to as like the darth vader of the green lantern mythos and i and it's it's kind of strange to think about like the in- the writer's intention for this character versus the way that fandom has been perceiving it for the last couple decades so even with with how was how was his how were they writing him in zero hour then at that point in time yes cuz zero hour is obviously exactly the next thing that falls really in the timeline was again what dan said is exactly right which is why this is this era is probably the best because the, to me, like the, the best, the best quote, I think, really from Hal, and I, I, I'm pretty sure it's, it's, it's final night. It's a final night quote. Cause I, I have it actually on my, I, I have it like a, on my desk somewhere at work. That's the idea that, you know, I've always done what I truly believed was right. At first, they called me a hero for it, then a villain. And that is where how Ron Mars wrote Hal and arguably other than Dan Jurgens. I think Dan Jurgens did a good job in Zero Hour that Daryl has always said. That the reason why basically nobody else can has done a really good job writing Parallax, Hal Jordan Parallax, is because they write him as a villain. And they don't realize that the core of what made Parallax, made Hal Jordan Hal Jordan is still in Parallax. It's kind of what Ganthet says to him in Final Night when he says that basically, I'm paraphrasing that everything that made you our greatest champion, and nothing, your betrayal didn't change that. And that, of course, gets leads them to a conflict, but him choosing that word. But the idea that the essence of who he is never changed. It's just that his pain and his, and his, his pain then being, being denied, uh, the power to bring things back when he was, you know, he obviously, he always clashed with the guardians, you know, he was, to say he was a loyal soldier is, is not entirely true, but, he, but at the end of the day, he would always acquiesce because he believed they had the greater good in mind. But Coast City kind of brought the way Coast, the destruction of Coast City played out kind of showed him the unfairness of how things were and how and that caused him to change. And if you look at a lot of the, a lot of the things he did, because even in Zero Hour, that Zero Hour, the basis of Zero Hour is that Hal was trying to reset everything back and and, and create a perfect universe in which he was going to be the guardian of and not going to be like the real guardians who just sat on their ass all day. He was going to be a proactive, a proactive guardian. So when things so instead of waiting until everything bubbled over he, at, the, at the first sign of trouble, he would he would intervene and try to prevent things from basically getting to maybe like a crisis level event. And that's what he wanted. And he and, and ideally he'd he'd make like almost like pariah in the sense that he would give you he would not literally like in a bubble, but he had no problem creating a world for you and creating a world for you. So basically, you know, like he says in the in the story, everybody wins that in Hal Jordan's universe, everybody, every everybody would win. And even people, even some of the guys who would normally be willing to fight against him at first would at least entertain the idea that, hey, you know, his ideas are not crazy. 
even Guy was co- close to siding with him, but he goes, well, I can't, I can't do that because of the destruction of Coast City and because of the fact that I think he fought Extant in the Guy Gardner, uh, zero hour tie in. And the fact that Extant was working with Hal was enough that Guy couldn't, but he was written, I think he was written in zero hour the same. He was written in zero hour the same way, essentially. And don't forget, there wasn't up until zero hour. We really had only gotten one appearance of a Ron Mars written. Hal Jordan anyway as Parallax and he never really, and he never said anything once he became Parallax he just came he out just of the power flew, he just flew off yeah he he, he comes out ra- you know raises his hand and, and I, you know, in the cool eventual retcon like he's stroking the entity you know as Jeff John showed us supposedly but he comes out in his new costume and he and he and he find, and he sees his old ring and he just steps on it and crushes it and he, and he flies off so really if you want to be technical the first real characterization of Hal Jordan post absorbing this you know becoming truly parallax was was by jurgens yeah something i think everybody keys in to pretty easily with hal jordan is that he will do whatever it takes to do what he thinks is right and parallax is a reminder and some perspective that that's only a good thing if he agrees with you you know (laughs) all of a sudden it's like oh actually his Best trait makes him incredibly dangerous if he's not aligned with your worldview. And just for the record, and this might sound, this might sound stupid, but when you really think about it, did he do anything wrong in Zero Hour? And yes, I understand he's erasing all of time and space, (laughs) but like, like on a fun, on like a, on a, just a base level the big threat of zero hour is is oh boy hal wants to restart the universe the way he thinks it should go we have to stop him and what happens at the end of zero hour Correct. all the heroes say okay we stopped him now it's time for us to restart the universe the way we think it should go <laughs> like they don't do it all the time but like so many crisis multiversal events end with the heroes of the story restarting the universe the way they think it should go and like it's it's presented as a positive thing because they are the heroes and we're supposed to be right absolutely and and it's even more random and when they do it in in zero hour it's even more random how's doing it on you know, Hal's doing it with a plan and a purpose. He's, as he talks about, it, basically, he's got the, he's got the energy and the, he's got the energy and the knowledge from the guardians from absorbing the central power battery and he, and he absorbs extra energy, energy from the, from the original crisis. And that's how he's able, and that's how he's able to do everything that he's doing in zero hour. But he has a plan. He's got a blueprint. The heroes are kind of like half-assing it based on, on just who they have left and just, and just hoping, hoping really for the most part that when they, do the big bang all over again and basically things catch up that everything's going to work out close and we're supposed to, and there's like such minor changes for the most part that, Oh, it just really works out conveniently. But yeah, technically. Hal was just kind of cutting to the chase. Like he wasn't waiting for a villain to eat the universe before restarting it. He's like, you know what? Let's just, there's going to be something bad that happens anyway. Let's just fix it now. Correct. And, and every time, and again, like I, once I feel like I feel like some part of my brain is like you're being stupid. He's erasing 
every living being in existence. But that's what happens every time they reboot the universe. Like, everything that's alive goes away and then is replaced by a new version of itself. So it's like, like, this is no better or worse than what happens at the end of, like, Crisis on Infinite Earths or, uh, I, I forgot the name of every other storyline they've ever done. But, like, it happens a lot. Even Dark Crisis, like we talked about. You can make the case that, you know, Pariah pretty much did get what he wanted. He just wasn't around to, he just wasn't around to see it. <laughs> Oh, the way you described how was accurate because, like you and I mentioned, it's kind of like when you were with Jeffrey Thorne's plan for what he was going to make Kyle. That's that's pretty much parallax. See, it's like sometimes he'll be on your side and sometimes he won't. And what's going to determine that is whether your point of view agrees with his point of view. Yeah, <laughs> like what, what is the bigger? Where does the bigger picture position you? Right, and that's and that's and that's why how the the parallax Hal Jordan was a was a deep character in the sense that because he did view things differently. And yes, like you said, his greatest strength was arguably now made him as dangerous as Alan Scott was prepping Kyle. It's like he's going to, you know, he, th- he thinks what he's doing is right, but that doesn't make him any less dangerous. That the, that that's what made Parallax so interesting. And that's also what kind of made him, I think, complex because he could he he could have tunnel vision at times like everybody. But he also could be made to he over as we saw Parallax play out and evolve. He kind of could see things. He could see some of the mistakes that he made and his willingness to try to change them for better or for worse or adjust kind of, I thought, defined the character as it went on. Yeah, but so related to, yeah, related to Zero Hour, when you really think in the Mars writing, we don't really get this, the first real in-depth parallax writing we get with parallax from Ron Mars is in Green Lantern Zero, the epilogue to Zero Hour. Which is a fantastic issue. <laughs> Which, by the way, they I think they finally started including that issue in the trade, in like the newest edition of the trade paperback of Zero Hour. It was never in the original collection, which is wild to me, because that's the actual end of the story. <laughs> I can understand it only because from an event perspective, it doesn't really mean that much. But you are correct as far as understanding what the end meant and the fact that Green Lantern Zero was fantastic. And you do get and you, and that's when you get to, you understand what how really what Hal's dealing with, which in a way begins at Hal Kyle Bond. You know, when Hal, you know, try basically at that point, he, when he gets shot, in the, when he gets shot in the chest by Ollie at the end of Zero Hour. And then when they're resetting time, they're trying to pluck Kyle back into the timeline, but seemingly they can't. And they just they don't quite understand why they can't do it. And it's because Hal has a little bit of power left and he creates a vortex to take them back to Oa because his plan is to recharge. But he doesn't have a ring anymore. He has and there's no central power battery. So he has no conduit to recharge. And he real as it's, as he runs out of power completely, he just breaks down and he talks about, well, you know, that basically if I don't if I can recharge, if I can if I can set things right, then I, I'm not I'm not a hero anymore. I'm, I'm one of the bad guys. And he just starts crying. And that's where Kyle and Hal actually bond. And and that's when Hal and then you kind of get it. That's, again, continuing the idea that it's not it's Hal is trying to do what he's what he thinks is right. But part of what he's doing, part of what drives that is because he knows, as he describes in the which we'll get to in a few minutes, the Green Lantern Silver Surfer crossover, as he describes it, he's he's done questionable things. (laughs) He knows deep down. That he that his 
the way he's gone about things is not right. But so part of zero hour is like, well, if I put everything back the way it was just a little bit better then, as Black Widow would say, he's getting the red out of his ledger. Yeah, he realizes that he's having to do some crappy things to get where he's going. But he's holding on to the idea that once he actually gets there, it will be okay. Right. And he'll be able to live with himself then. Because right now... Right now, the obsession with fixing things is kind of like drowning out all the pain of what he, of his loss, but also all the things that he's done that basically goes against who, goes against who he is from a moral perspective, not necessarily. Yeah, because the longer it takes him to get there, like the more opposition the heroes throw at him, the more roadblocks he runs into, the more allowances he has to start making that he otherwise wouldn't like. He doesn't want to kill anybody, but if it gets to a point where, okay, I have to remove you so I can finish this, then he's going to that. Like we even start to, I forget if it's, if it's just in zero hour or, or somewhere else, but he starts talking about how like, it's okay. They'll come back Back. once I, once I fix it all, they'll be back and it'll, they'll have even better lives. So it's like he runs into this, like he's brushing up against this, this uh this mindset of like what is reality kind of thing like like oh it's okay he they'll be they'll have they'll be alive but better later so it doesn't matter you know like he never goes fully over the edge but he's definitely starting to flirt with it yeah and i think it's it's, i think what you're talking about is zero is is zero hour because even in zero hour he talks about even bringing the guardians back potentially so he talked he's always which again could be a form of appeasement to try to convince like guy and other people that, Hey, you know, what I'm doing is okay. It's that the ultimate question of just because you can do some, do something doesn't mean that you should. Yeah. Like bringing the guardians back. <laughs> Cause, Cause Kyle did that. And then they made blackest night happen. And then the third army. So, you know, maybe, maybe don't, maybe I'll leave them alone. And of course in green lantern zero ends, how Kyle feels sorry for how, he gets he gives Hal the ring back. You know, Hal momentarily it's like, hey, I'm back. And he, he used the old Green Lantern font and he's got the ring and he uses the ring to recharge himself to a certain extent because he draws energy directly out of Ola with with the ring. Kyle kind of realizes the way Hal's talking that, OK, this was this was a bad move because we're going to be back literally to ground zero if I don't stop this. So he's able to trick Hal basically and, and able to get the ring, get the ring back off of him. So this is why from this point on, Parallax is still powerful, but he's not as powerful as he was in Zero Hour. And Kyle figures out that, well, the, Hal, the only way to prevent this endless loop from continuing is that, that Hal uses Oa as a battery. So the only way to, to stop it is to destroy it. So he uses his own ring to, to overcharge the battery and it explodes. You're bluffing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's like, apparently not. Uh <laughs> Which and so that leaves you know leaves Kyle as the only Green Lantern still uh, seemingly Hal is dead which of course we knew we knew he was he wasn't really dead but it doesn't doesn't take long before we see him again in uh the in my in one of my favorite stories the Parallax View Green Lantern sixty three sixty four which was in nineteen ninety five in which which is an important story not just because continuing what Dan said that Hal's kind of like well Hal just Hal wants the ring back. He wants to be Green Lantern again, because at this point, he seemingly just wants to move on. 
But he's like, oh, let's let's just forget this chapter ever happened. <laughs> and and he doesn't want to fight Kyle. And it's like, I don't want to. It's, and, he, it's, and he literally, I think, says in the story, it's like, why are you why are you making me do this? Because he doesn't want to even be, you know, and he becomes parallax. He's kicking Kyle's ass. Ganthet goes, gets the kind of like knockoff version of the Justice League that exists at this time, which other than having Superman, is not particularly impressive. <laughs> I'm sorry. Could you imagine Hal walking up to Ganthet? And like writing him a check to cover damages and saying, so uh, we're good, right? <laughs> which is funny because when we get to final night, there's, some, there's almost like an exchange, which is like that. <laughs> but yeah, so and of course, Hal, Hal wipes out, the, you know, beats the Justice League easily, including Superman. And but and, he, and he, at this point, he, he takes he takes he beats Kyle and he takes his rank. So but the cool part of this the second part of that story is that there's a decent part of it where Hal is actually looking like Green Lantern again. So when he's beating Superman, he actually looks like Hal Jordan Green Lantern. <laughs> and then I think Kyle hits him in the back of the head with like a lead pipe because he won't he won't stop. And, and Hal's just like stunned by this. It's like, what are you doing? It's like, you know, you can't beat me. It's like, well, but I'm not going to give up because the hero wouldn't do that. And and that resonates with Hal and Hal and Hal like stops and he thinks and then he takes the, then he takes his ring off and he their ring technically it's hal's ring and kyle's ring since it was hal's ring kyle's ring is hal's ring it was re- reformed by ganthet in emerald twilight that there, he gives the, the ring back to kyle and kyle becomes green lantern and hal just says well it's like i don't need it like basically i don't need this anymore it's time for me to be something else which i always thought was cool though i still hate the ending of that story when he's sitting there like in, in like looking completely he's lost position. imagining that he's green lantern again doing in doing good things Go ahead, Corey. I said he was in fetal position, but he also absorbed Ganthet at that point. Yes, you're right. I left that out. The Ganthet, the Ganthet that after he, after he beats every after he beats everybody, that Ganthet said, "Is this, you know, Hal's kind of lamenting this isn't what this this isn't what I wanted, but yet you know, but this is what you got." It's like I was like, "These are all your friends, and look at them and all this stuff." And it's like, if power's what you want, then if that, that's all you want, then take it. So he kind of becomes just. On like discorporal or energy or whatever, and he flows into Hal, and Hal and Hal reacts differently. Hal's kind of different in this, and then he, yes, then he, then 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 he does his thing with Kyle, and and then yeah. So I just that the fetal there's just something about. I mean, I know it's supposed to make you it's supposed to make you feel empathy for Hal, and I guess it does, but it just it just it just to me it didn't seem to jibe with the idea that oh it was time for me to be something else and yet he's he's sitting on some planet kind of like just dwelling on his past it's hard to to balance out we're turning him into a huge threat that just dismantled the justice league and also we want you to feel sympathetic towards him by the end so i think they're trying to overcorrect True. by putting him in like an an ultra vulnerable state when i mean really what we should have seen was him flying off and the next and a uh, next issue blurb that says next month the protector number 1 <laughs> where we could follow we could follow Hal Jordan and get in his head and just kind of see him as a i i i feel like so much of the perception of Hal Jordan Parallax comes from the fact that he is only ever what, with the exception of maybe uh, that one issue during final night, one or two issues, he is only ever 
portrayed as an antagonist and never as the protagonist. So like by default, he is not the main character of the story and we're only being allowed to judge him through the context of what everyone else mm. thinks of him. It's a really good point, actually. I, I, I've, I always lamented the fact that there was never like at least even a miniseries. You know, God, even the Eradicator got a miniseries. It wasn't a great one. And it wasn't even the cla- it, was, it wasn't even the classic Eradicator, if you will. But still, yeah, the the, the fact that they never the, the fact fact that they never even gave Hal like a three issue miniseries, which were all the rage back then. <laughs> That's it, why I, I thought it was such a big deal that he got that. Uh, I think it was a one shot around yes. year of a uh, uh, yep. final night, yep. right? Emerald, Where he Emerald went night. Cyborg. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which was another. We're getting to that real soon. That's another really important issue. The other the, the other interesting thing, which we didn't mention, just as we close the door on zero hour was much like we'll talk about in final uh, Emerald. When we talk about final night, that it wasn't so much that Ron Morris was being kept in the dark necessarily about that. Parallax was going to be the bad guy in zero hour. It's just that I think it may have just been simply a matter of, Hey, you told Ron about this, right? It's like, no, I thought you told Ron about, <laughs> but Ron didn't know that it was Dan Jurgen's idea to use Parallax as the villain based on what he became and what happened, which was perfect. That was perfect. Ron Mars didn't get told to pretty late in the game that uh, he was going to be the bad, the quote unquote bad guy of, of zero hour. He, I, he, I don't, I believe he was fine with it. He just didn't know about it. Uh, just like I, he had no input on Hal's role and basically being denied the use of Hal Jordan going forward after final night, because that was another great DC editorial decision. Well, we after Parallax view, we had the the I forget which order they came in, but we had the, the year one annual, which was pretty awesome when he and Kyle end up flipping Hal Hal gets Alan's battery to recharge. He gets Guy's battery from Warriors to recharge and Kyle's recharging his battery at the same time. And somehow that creates like this weird battery charging vortex and they end up swapping lives and ha- which is really weird because they they don't just swap lives, but they swap like time periods because Hal goes back to to Kyle right after he got the ring when Alex was still alive and Kyle goes back to Hal when he was still working at Ferris. So they basically both get a taste of each other's lives, which kind of furthers their understanding of each other. And, and, it, and when things get set back to no, the normal timeline, when everything gets set, they get back to where they're supposed to be. Hal, all these references that he's being, he's being held back from doing what he wants to do, which of course is a reference to Ganthet being inside him. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was cool. And then the last, and we can talk about that in a second too, if you, if you guys want, but then the last big story before final night was the one, the green, the green lantern silver surfer one shot, the unholy alliances, which is another fantastic book, which is because it does such a nice job at balancing out. You see, because it's not like Emerald night where you get to see Hal as the protagonist throughout the whole issue, but there are moments in that book where at least you want, where you see things from Hal's perspective. Because almost everybody, because you have you have Hal, tr- Hal and Th- Hal and the Silver Surfer trying to relate to each other, both thinking that they're they are kindred spirits. At the same time, Thanos is trying to do his job on Kyle and convincing that oh he you sh- you should help me because uh, we can stop Hal you know the th- we have we have this threat that's Hal Jordan, and then eventually they end up of course switching sides where where Kyle and the Kyle and Silver Surfer realize they really need to fight together. And while Thanos and, and Parallax are beating the hell out of each other, which I just love the fact that Thanos is all about destruction 
And Hal is all about creation at this point. So he's got the power cosmic from the Silver Surfer. And and Thanos has all the residual energy from the exploded Oa that he used Kyle to help him use his ring to absorb. So these guys would be like having this creation destruction fest. I, I'm gonna have to find this this one shot. I've never read oh, that. Oh, yeah. I was gonna say this. That is a great issue, and of course, because Ron has such a background writing Silver Surfer too. It's just, it's just a perfect. It's, just, it's so damn good. Yeah, it's fantastic. Like, it's, it's the kind of thing that you would expect, honestly, to be worse. <laughs> because, but like, it's not tied to. It's not technically tied to anything else. Like the very end, like the final page or something, is technically a little prequel nod to DC vs. Marvel, which I think came out the summer afterwards or something like that. It's it's got it's written and drawn by the current Green Lantern creative team, so it flows perfectly. And is written. Ron Mars also had a very long run on 90s era silver surfer so it's like it feels it feels true to all of these characters because it's being written by someone who is intimately familiar with how all of them are supposed to act and it's it's just right it just feels right and daryl banks drew it yes go look at it (laughs) speaking of my picture that my picture here is from that issue yeah your uh profile yeah yeah, that that's what yeah, there are some there are some there are some fantastic the art is just utterly fantastic. Some of my favorite parallax of uh, art is in that. Even even simple things like when Hal's talking to the Silver Surfer, just the way like I think he's holding he's holding his cape like in his I think it's his left hand at one point when they're having a conversation and just but he's in the Marvel universe at the at the time, I believe, because he follows a because Cyborg Superman gets pulled pulled into that universe. So he's after this is this is the first confrontation between Parallax and cyborg superman and he's the and silver the silver surfer actually interrupts hal doing 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 what he wants to do and and how and there just the conversation between hal when he's trying to explain everything about you know who he used to be and because silver surfer says so you're a hero and he, and he pauses and it's just like a panel with like nothing and it's like i was and then he explains you know you know you know i was once a green once a green lantern you know and all this stuff and then and then it's like, all I want to do is set things right. And it's like, and that's when ha- Silver Surfer starts feeling that they, they, they have a, they, there's a kindred spirit thing going on here. And how, and he ends up, he willingly gives the power cosmic to Hal, who creates the plant, who recreates the planet of things Cyborg Superman destroyed, which is interesting because theoretically that planet would still exist. Uh, but so Hal, Hal, you know, he finally has the power to create. And actually that scene is like, yeah in that picture that i have it's just an, and and no and, and and this time they can't stop me because referring to like zero hour but meanwhile this, kyle goes to talk to thanos <laughs> and walks away from it thinking you know what this guy makes a lot of sense well but he plays them because he plays the mind game by by focusing on oh there's a big threat to the universe and his name is like parallax or hal jordan however he says it so kyle already has been down this, which kyle says the silver surfer towards the end of the book it's like it's like i've been down this road with hal before it's like he thinks he's you know he thinks he's doing what's right but he doesn't he doesn't realize that that basically he's unbalanced and i I think i think after this you look in kyle's closet he's gonna have like a t-shirt that says thanos was right (laughs) but not walk around snapping his fingers ironically all the time right (laughs) 
No, you should definitely get that issue, Corwin, somewhere. It's 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 probably. I mean, I I love I love Parallax View, but I I would I may very well say that if you're looking at the class the this era the classic era of the of Parallax that the the Unholy Alliances might be the it might be the best. Um, yeah, and it's just called Green Lantern Silver Surfer, and it's got like a really cool image of like Kyle and the Surfer flying at you on yeah. the cover. Yeah, in the back, I think mentions all four of the characters. I think it mentions those two, and it mentions uh, Thanos and and Parallax. I've got a nice long box of that whole run and some tie-in issues and stuff that I need to really sit down one day and look at because I was, you know, planning on getting all that stuff bound one day, but um. I mean, I think the last things I needed was like the Green Lantern Aliens miniseries. So uh, I've, got, yes. <laughs> I've got a long box of issues to go through. So I'll, I'll try to – well, we can still discuss anything we want. I'll just try to speed this up, and I'll throw these yeah. two together, and then we'll break them up just because I don't want us – I just don't want us to get to the point where we're going to get – I mean, obviously, we can record as long as all the three of us want, but we don't want to get to the point where we have to shortchange something. So pretty much the the way I split the timeline, the last two major things, which are major to end the original the the original Mars Banks era, you have the you have Final Night, which also includes the Parallax Emerald Night one shot, where Hal is recruited by Kyle uh, to help re- stop the Sun Eater and and restore the Sun and and heal the planet, and which of course. He does, and, and but sacrifices himself and dies in the process. And Emerald Knights, which was that six-issue series when the time lost, Hal Jordan gets brought back into current continuity, which was which was cool because they alternated issues between the 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 Kyle issue and the Hal issue, which of course ended up with Zero Hour Era Parallax showing up at, in the second to last issue, and that was a big conflict since he sensed something was wrong in the timeline as he was going through Zero Hour, and that's how they end up setting. Sending the old the old Hal back to where he was without any basic knowledge of what was going to happen, and Parallax agreed that he wasn't going to use the future knowledge that he was going to die basically to save the universe, which as we found out wouldn't have mattered anyway because Parallax already knew as we as we get into the next era that Parallax already knew he was going to die in Final Night, but which made the sacrifice actually kind of cooler knowing that. Yeah, but, and we should say that whole that whole arc flowed so naturally from the green lantern issues before that because like i think it started with like issue 96 or 97 or something where it's just a random issue of kyle battling graven dark side sun yep and then a teleporter accident sends kyle to the future where he has a two-issue adventure with the legion that's where we get carrie wren in her only appearance yeah 98 that yeah that i guess that would have been 98 99 because 100 was was the double-sized issue when they what how when kyle was sent back to hal during the time of his first meeting with sinestro fight with sinestro because brainiac's like we're gonna try and send you back to your time but our records are really terrible uh, so we're just, we're just going to do our best and send you back to a time when we know there were green yep. lanterns and he ends up at the beginning of Hal's career. They have this, like this issue 100 is this really cool. Like you could treat it just as a standalone issue if you wanted, but it was so good. It was just Kyle and Hal and the green lantern Corps versus Sinestro in like a classic silver age uh, style story drawn by Daryl Banks. And it ends with with uh, Sinestro pushing them both into the, a time machine or whatever. And now we just have Emerald Knights, which is six issues of Kyle and Hal in the present day. 
Yeah, and I like the fact that they take advantage of the difference between Kyle and Hal's ring and that and the issue 100 to before Emerald Knights. The fact that Kyle's ring, I still never quite understood why. I guess other than to make it more more at risk. But if this ring is supposed to be the most perfect Guardians creation, why would you lose the best feature of the old rings, which was that it would protect you from mortal harm? But they kind of do the trick that we that he ends up taking Hal's ring. So Sinestro thinks he kills Kyle, but he really doesn't. And there's certain things related to the yellow that Kyle, the, the Hal's ring can't do, but he can now because he because he has Kyle's, which, of course, will work because the only person who can use Kyle's ring without any uh, gen- without any genetic manipulation or willpower to change the, the structure or how the ring is programmed is Hal. It will always respond to Hal because Hal's, it was Hal's rings first. So they just play off that re- really, really well. And yeah, it sets in how Sinestro is responsible for pushing Hal into the timeline right when the Guardians were returning Kyle to where he belongs. It's just, it was just that, that, that whole, yeah, that whole stretch is really, really good. And it keeps, and it like keeps going too, because like that's the story that ends with Hal giving Kyle a copy of his Silver Age ring which is the ring that Kyle takes out into space to try and restart the core. But he gives a copy to Jade and Jade is a Green Lantern for a while until she loses that ring and it washes up in Gotham and Anarchy gets it. But then Kyle comes and takes it back and then he gives it to, I think he gives it to Jade again and then she gets her powers back. So he gives it to John and that's the ring that John Stewart was using up until Dark Knight's death metal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely has definitely has a lot of ramifications. The anarchy storyline was actually kind of cool from what I remembered too. Uh yeah, so so to me that would be the that pretty much would be the closing sal the closing salvo there of the first era because obviously uh, Ron Ron and Daryl weren't on the book too 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 much longer after that to begin let, with. Let me ask you, like, do you do you feel that the um because the the parallax one shot was kind of how going after the uh cyborg superman right to start with to start with yeah do you feel that closed the book on that rivalry or do you think they should have explored it some more you mean before they eventually did or did what at the time did i think it was good enough like at the time because like that was kind of like their last interaction before how like dies Right. And it's and it strikes me that like you know for all for all the headache caused to Hal and the Green Lantern in general by Cyborg Superman and Mongol, he kind of doesn't really go after them very much, and that always seems kind of weird to me. I think it was I think it was good enough closure at the time, especially the way the especially the way the fight you know the way the fight plays out. It's like the fact that. Even though again, it's un- it would be it would have been better if it was classic Cyborg Superman, not the uh, apocalypse-looking Cyborg Superman. Not the big red one. Yeah, I mean, I mean that look was okay, but it's not it's not classic. It would have been more appropriate considering the the fact that you know Henshaw thinks Hal's just there to to basically to to arrest him, and it's like no, I'm here to erase you from existence. <laughs> it's like and, and just the fact that it's like it's not me that you're fighting. It's like all the millions of people at Coast City, and he just creates all this the construct of all these all the citizens, and they just attack Cyborg Superman and rip him apart, and then you find out basically all this stuff is happening like in this little globe inside Hal's hands and he just and he just pushes his fingers together and, and destroys it. I think I think it worked for what it was. I mean, 
it would have been better off. I mean, not that I guess Halleck would have been able to suspect he could have that he was going to be at a cyborg Superman was going to for, force himself into the the uh, source wall since it's not really you know super mechanical. Even though I guess there are mechanical things fused into it, I suppose. Yeah, I guess. But I don't know. I just thought, in a way, it would have been it would have been better if he could have created just kept him in that in that globe and, and, and like buried it somewhere. But but I thought it was I thought it was enough closure, and I thought I thought that that issue that issue was good because you get more of an understanding that so when Ganthet offers Hal a power ring again because Hal Hal's trying to make peace with it for. For those who didn't read that issue, you know, it begins with the cyborg cyborg Superman confrontation. Then Kyle comes to comes to see Hal's offering, saying, "Hey, basically, I can't do this. I don't have enough power. I arguably I don't have enough will to do this, but you do." And he's trying to convince that, "Hey, we need you to come back and be a hero again." And 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 Hal is really conflicted about this. So the most of the issue is Hal making making the rounds, seeing. You know, seeing seeing Carol, seeing John Stewart. Actually, that's and that's the issue where he he puts the power in John Stewart that stays in him for a while. That so so John Stewart can walk again and things like that. Even though, as we find out, that's not the reason John Stewart could really walk. But the point is, Hal puts power back into John Stewart, and he talks about his bright future and all these. And that's when he visits Ollie's grave, which comes into play down the road. But the reality is that he just has to make peace with all this before deciding to do what he to do what's right. And the issue pretty much ends with his he's being resolved. He re, he has resolved himself that yes, he's gonna he's gonna go back and do what's right, and he's gonna save save the solar system, save the Earth. So that would be that would put the ball on that era. Uh, that's my my favorite era. Obviously, I think that is what because Parallax was written the best, and he's deeper in that era you understand that he's a guy that they got pushed to the breaking point and you get pushed to the breaking point enough and you feel lost enough that and also just just on a general level for me just the i just the idea that somebody that you're trying to do the right thing now my, again it's that's always questionable how right what your how your right is versus someone else's right but the fact is that all hal is trying to do is set things right and he's trying to make people understand his point of view and Nobody wants to or nobody cares enough. It's like, yeah, we care. It's like, yeah, we understand you got a raw deal, but what you're doing is wrong. So. That's my that's my favorite error of anything to do with Hal Jordan Parallax, and I do think it kind of sucked that DC kind of like put the kibosh on that because, you know, Ron would have did have plans, I think, to use Hal more down the road since he again, he was not in the loop as far as, oh, yes having any input on whether do you have a problem if we kill Hal Jordan? It's like, yeah, but it would, it would have been. So seeing what Hal could have been as parallax, if they had just continued it and let him be kind of like this, uh, anti-hero be this Magneto kind of character and, and putting him in more situations like kind of Dan described, we're not just necessarily where you're seeing it more from his point of view because he's the protagonist, but just make it more, give us more moral ambiguous, morally ambiguous stories where it isn't so clear cut like the the stuff Robert Venditti didn't want to do and the Dark Stars arc where the idea of lethal force versus non-lethal force you could have a real debate there about the pros and the cons it doesn't have to be just one side is this view is correct and this side is wrong you could ha- could have crafted stories where the side that Hal was taking maybe that wasn't so wrong or it was but we we didn't really you know we didn't really get much of that or were we denied that, I should say. So 
he dies in the whole final night thing. How does he pop back up for Day of Judgment now? Just real quick, just curious since no, you know, it's, we know it, it's, it's a yeah, it's a it's a perfect segue because that's actually the first. I would say that's the first thing of the John's era. Uh, basically, with all with the whole day the whole Day of Judgment storyline with Hell on Earth, or which was funny at the time because I guess it was called Hell on Earth in editorial. <laughs> yes. I, I remember I remember because that's what they they were reporting on. They were reporting on that like in Wizard back in the day that the rumors were that Hal Jordan was going to be that Hal Jordan was coming back because that's what they were calling the story behind closed doors. It was, um, even though Hell on man, Earth was the prop was Hal on Earth was the ha 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 man with headlines like that. It's a wonder that magazine <laughs> folded. <laughs> hey, it, I'm sure it was the Internet that killed that more than anything. Uh, like most magazines, if you look at the way things went it. But the reality was they they the, once the, once the specter was being possessed what by what neuron and if, that they they needed an alternate they needed an alternate host and Alan Scott was kind of in charge of finding one and they and they couldn't get they couldn't they couldn't get into heaven they were being denied getting into heaven but they were a lot but they were able to get into purgatory and that's where Hal was because basically even though we saved everything in final night again balancing out the ledger. Because of technically of all the people that would have died in zero hour that he was maybe if he had been able to bring everybody back in zero hour, then maybe you can make the case the ledger would have been clean. <laughs> but because of that, because of that, he was in purgatory and and because of Alan's relationship with Hal, he agrees to let Hal come back and try to be the one to fight for the control of the specter. As much as Batman completely loses his shit when he realizes who else got his brought back. <laughs> you know, I'm giving. Alan the job of picking who they who's the new Spectre is kind of a bad move because like because like who's he gonna pick like everyone he knows is retired and doesn't want to and then there's well John's busy he's running his architecture place and guys got a bar like they both have real jobs um and they're alive <laughs> oh Hal, hey Hal what you doing <laughs> Well, of course, if they had, if they had been able to go, well, I think ideally, if they had gotten to go into heaven, they actually isn't isn't there somewhere in that storyline? If I remember, I, it's been so long ago. I think they try to convince Jim Corrigan to come back at some point. Oh, they're always listen. I think Jim they're Corrigan, I think they're in heaven for a period of time, but they can't stay. And I think they try they're trying to speak to Corrigan, and I'm pretty sure he says, well, basically, I I've done my bit my, my I've done my job for like God and for King and country, and no, which is ironic. I feel like every specter story i ever read is about jim corrigan is either in heaven or he's alive and he used to be the specter but he doesn't want to go back to it but then something happens and he has to go back to it it's his blessing and his curse that's right (laughs) (laughs) so so what so when and what ends up happening is hal ends up being thrown into the mix and then the, the the part of the specter as the the spinoff that I do and I can't and I'm and I'm trying to think of the term that they use as the the core essence of the specter uh, it'll hit me at some point which won't matter because we'll be, we would have moved on logos I think it's logos even though they don't call it that in this in that in this issue but basically you have you have like I think you have like you have neuron and you have and you have Hal Jordan, and I'm trying to remember if it was even somebody else inside at that point. Was it as Mogul? Maybe. But either way, the, the Spectre has to choose. All everybody who's in who's fighting to be the, to be the host 
have to make their case. And Hal starts trying to make the case that, oh, you know, I was once a hero with the Green Lantern. And Hal just breaks down and goes like, I don't it's like I don't just like I'm I don't deserve any. I don't deserve, you know, basically to be this. It's like I I be, you know, I betrayed and killed my friends and everything that I stood for and blah, 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 blah. And and that's when basically it's like this is like it's like you've like you've sinned this is your like this is like your penance or whatever and the specter reaches out and chooses hal and everybody else gets tossed out and and that's how hal becomes hal becomes the specter that sounds oddly similar to the hal specter parallax mix we see in green lantern rebirth later oh yeah yes which we will which we will be getting to but that's yeah that that is that's why they set up that's how john sets the status quo and where Hal eventually becomes the uh, chooses to become the spirit of redemption over the spirit of vengeance, which was made sense at the time based on who Hal was that oh, and what yeah. he was trying. And so I, I always liked I always liked that concept. And then, of course, John's plays with that by the end, too. So we just met, we mentioned Day of Judgment that starts this. And again, I started it because Hal, when we first see Hal in this story, he's Parallax anyway. And Hal chooses to appear as Green Lantern because he doesn't want to look like Parallax when he's coming back to. Be, be a hero i'm gonna get i'm i'm gonna do this quick just to do highlights of this era and then obviously we're going to talk about the important because there's a lot in this era that we find out in this era and like green arrow seven that in 2001 that this is where we find out that uh parallax is the one who brought back oliver queen and when he died that he basically took a piece of oliver queen's dna that was on superman's costume from when he blew up in <laughs> right next to him which gross Gross. Yeah, and then do like, the laundry. Obviously, he doesn't do a good job doing the laundry. And that's you have cr- flown close enough to the sun that there should not be any bits of your friends on you. <laughs> <laughs> and he kind of even jokes about the fact that when he's when Hal's a specter is explaining all this to Ollie that thank God, thank God, basically just be grateful that you you didn't blow up next to Batman pretty much or else you'd be screwed because Batman would be much more meticulous in cleaning stuff. <laughs> uh, so we have that. We have the something we still have to do an episode on legacy the last one in testament of hal jordan which parallax is the bad guy in this issue and that in that graphic novel it's also relevant because tom kalmaku is the main character in it and this is the story in which oa and the central power battery gets recreated doesn't get recharged that's still that's still to come down the road but the reason why oa is back back and the reason why uh there's a, a central power battery again and a hal jordan stature on oa is because of tom in that story yeah people will forget that that graphic novel is canon yeah and and, and even though they changed the way the battery looked i mean even in the begin in the stuff that in rebirth and everything there's stuff that's relevant that, that's relevant in that uh before right before we get to rebirth there were there was a final there was, it was like either 62 through 64 i, I didn't write this down i I should have the final arc that John's d- did regarding Hal's the specter in JSA, which was right, basically the prologue to, to rebirth. And that is where Hal has no choice based on what's going on. He has to re embrace the spirit of vengeance in order to deal with the threat. So when we deal with the specter in rebirth, Hal has unfortunately, quote unquote, unfortunately becomes has no choice, but to re embrace the, sp- the, uh, the spirit of vengeance. And that leads us to Green Lantern Rebirth. And, of course, the, the, the whole literal rebirth of the whole Green Lantern franchise, Sinestro Corps War, Blackest Night, War of the Green Lanterns, Wrath, Wrath of the First Lantern, and so forth, pretty much ended it. 
So pretty much from Day of Judgment through Wrath of the, Fir- of the First Lantern, I would consider that the Johns era of Parallax, which, of course, the most important thing is the retcon of Parallax itself being the fear entity of Hal basically not choosing that name randomly and not just because Daryl Banks did a great job at finding the name. <laughs> Mind you, Parallax, Hal Jordan, in the classic era, that name makes perfect sense. Parallax as a name of a fear entity makes no sense. But the reality is that introduces the idea of the of the entity. It introduces the idea of the fact that it's a, it's a relatively almost totally controlling entity, of course, other than the exception of Sinestro, who struggles. But Sinestro is able to contain it with help, but he's able to contain it for certain periods of time. But the so the biggest so the retcon that almost everybody remembers now about the fear bug and that being the justification for how he reached out. Sinestro basically helped wake it up when he was in the central power battery and he had to reach out to Hal using that as a, almost as a conduit for potential escape. That's why Hal's temple supposedly turned gray when he got touched by Parallax the first, you know, from long distance. And then once he absorbed the central power battery, he absorbed Parallax into him and thus and there's problems with it i have i saw big i still have big problems with the retcon fitting with final night because we know because we know that parallax is a living creature it's not a spiritual entity you know it's not a demonic entity it's a living breathing thing and it's a being born out of fear as you know johns himself basically explains that in in blackest night that it was like the first creature that felt fear and we know he feels fear from later on been dealing with Sinestro. So the idea that he, that this fear entity would not leave Hal Jordan when he was, when he was about to die. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of things going on here. Cause it's, 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 I think first, like uh, one of the big things looming over is that we are still firmly in the, the mindset of Sinestro bad yellow lantern stuff equals evil and that's how it would stay up through the sinestro core war and it would take until after that to kind of flesh out the concept some more and really explore it and kind of see it for what it is i have such like such conflicting opinions about the retcon because i remember at the time thinking that like like my read at the time when the when a uh, rebirth came out was that oh okay so this this uh it's not that parallax was controlling hal it's that it was pushing him in the wrong directions but he would hal was still the one making all the decisions Choices. like yeah like like ah this was they didn't they didn't like excuse Hal. He's still responsible. It's just, this is just the context for why he did the bad thing by choice. And I don't like, like looking back at John's entire body of work, I don't know that that is what was in his uh, intent for it. Because like, it was very much like a, Hal Jordan is my favorite character. I need to get him back. Hey, here's a here's a parasite that's been living in his soul. Well, I, I think during even during his run, Hal did own up to the fact that yes, he may have been possessed by Parallax, but he did make those decisions. And I, I'm I'm racking my brain right now, um, Mark, because I'm trying to figure out like I always did think the entities were energy based beings, but yeah, that one slipped past me. I'm not sure about that one. 
So that's interesting. I never really gave that much thought since, you know, they jump in and out of people so often. I, I always assumed they were kind of based, created by the energy that they represented. It was in Blackest Night after Sinestro. It was in the issue of Green Lantern that came right after Sinestro got the white entity. Yep. And he kind of saw the creation myth in his brain. And he saw like, like as life was first coming into existence, the first creature to feel each emotion became the embodiment of that emotion. So there was some, there was some fish somewhere that exercised willpower and it became ion. There was some like, like, so parallax did in fact start out as a like flesh and blood insect. But then it changed color and, and turned completely yellow at that point, which I was always assumed that that's when it, change from a living thing to the energy that it embodied yes but it still doesn't explain how it latches onto your soul or even if you want to buy that why let's put it this way and i mean there's a very simple retcon for this but they've never actually we've never seen anything as far as i'm aware that has touched on the subject if if they ever said anything which said hey the reason why parallax never left hal jordan was because he knew he was going to become the specter at some point, and there was a chance to have even greater power and even an even greater influence. But they never, but they never at any point they never really said that, you know, how you know, like how never acknowledged that. Oh, I knew I was going to become the specter, uh, and that parallax. There was never any reference, even in rebirth, that I, you know, you know, this was a means to an end for me staying with you. He just kind of said, I mean, he, he just kind of said, I'm done appeasing, I'm done appeasing you. At that stage of the game, but it's still, but if they had said something like that, it would at least understand why, why, I mean, why would you not just leave and look for another host at that point? Because you're still, because you are alive. Your point is you're alive. The point is that you are alive. So, and if you were being based on fear of all emotions, why would the fear of death not drive you out and say, Hey, see you later? It's been real, but I'll go find another host. Especially. I always took it as he was just along for the ride to see how screwed up he can screw up Hal's <laughs> life. Just, <laughs> I, I just, you know, he was a voyeur. He just wanted to chaos for chaos sake to some degree, but you have a point. I know early on, like in Rebirth, when we got the explanation, they framed it as, you know, Parallax was, Parallax had been sitting like drowning in the willpower of the central battery on Oa for who knows how long millennia, maybe until Sinestro woke it up. So it was like, it was comatose for so long and it woke up. It was barely conscious. It was severely weakened. So for once it infected, how all it could really do is exist inside of him while it slowly got strength back which is why, like, okay, you have all of that fear inside you now. It's not directly controlling you, but all that fear is suddenly, like, it's driving you to do things. Like, but, like, that, again, like, the longer he exists as Parallax, the less that should be the case. So I think it's just, like, it's one of those things of, like, this was the best he could this was this was the best single retcon he could come up with to try and cover everything under the parallax umbrella and it doesn't 
it, it ends up covering some parts better than others. Yeah, even like the the idea that oh, it made it made Hal Jordan afraid. It made Hal Jordan afraid of tomorrow. That that that's what that the destruction of Coast City, along with being touched by Parallax to start with, that that's what supposedly influenced Hal's moves. Because yeah, he it was more it was more that he was like a, almost like a devil on his shoulder, whispering him whispering to him at times, and just for which is which makes sense because we all know that if you. We all know that if you go back and look at the original era of Hal Jordan Parallax, that fear wasn't anything on the surface had nothing to do with why he was doing what he was doing. So when you try to retcon things after the fact, like they did that booster gold issue after Green Lantern Rebirth, that which was like a as they labeled it, like a zero hour tie in. And basically booster gold was like hop, 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 skipping and jumping and, and went through. And met up when this passing by the extant parallax meeting and parallax is making some kind of reference to like wanting to make Alan Scott feel fear. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I know I'm sure Jurgens was kind of like, we want you to do this, but it's like, <laughs> it just doesn't resonate because we know that's not what that it was a good, it was a good, it was about as good a retcon or a Jeff con as you could do because it didn't erase because, and that's why I always try use that term that. The, to me, the Jeff Con is nothing you saw before didn't happen. It's just that now we're showing you a whole bunch of things that did happen that you never saw before. Yeah, we're keeping everything Building. and giving it more context. Right. And that's why and that's why that for the most part that the stuff we saw in Green Lantern Rebirth was viable. I still find it funny that, you know, in the original script that Batman was supposed to end up being possessed by Parallax, too, and he was going to shoot Robin. But Lord, no. Uh And and of course, I'm sure DC was like, oh, we can't do that because how how is Batman going to come back from that? Well, thank you very much. (laughs) It's like maybe if you had thought about that when you were doing that to how we wouldn't be in this mess. (laughs) Wait, at the time, that would be Tim Drake. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so if it was Damon, you'd be okay. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it was. It was was Tim. I really like Damien sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Usually when we're not reading it. Yeah. So clearly this whole. I mean, there were there were interesting things. I mean, this was the era where we got all the other entities Uh, like in War of the Green. That's why I had to I had to add like War of the Green Lanterns to this list, because that was when they put at least for a while. And when uh, Krona put Parallax back into the central power barrier to try to influence all the Green Lantern rings (laughs) and control them. And of course, Wrath of the First Lantern is when we end is during that period where Sinestro becomes Parallax. That costume. All right. What do we think around the room? Parallax costume. Does it look better as green or yellow? I kind of think yellow. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely lean towards the yellow. Well, you have to I be. Know. We have to. I'm assuming you mean how, because we didn't mention. Because of course, obviously, Kyle was temporarily parallax. Well, yeah, but I mean, like when Sinestro becomes the host for the entity, he he basically gets Hal's Daryl Banks designed parallax costume, except it's yellow instead of green. It's a tough one for me. I love that costume design so much. I think it looks good in yellow. And I, and I will say, I like Sinestro's skunk, skunk streak in his hair. I think that yeah. works really well. The way it's drawn on him, it's it's really close to, to me. It it's it 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 is really. Oh, you know what I was thinking about? And this is this has nothing to do with this topic as a whole. But I did. But it, it was something you and I talked about recently when we talked about Necron related to. Uh, dark crisis it's, it's really easy to forget that necron's actually major appearance after blackest night was in final issue of wrath of the first lantern when black lantern hal calls him in to kill 
Paul oh, Foom. Because yeah. <laughs> he was on panel for like three seconds. Like, good, you you did your job. Now go away. Yeah, Hal, Hal had to go off to the land of the dead and catch his legendary Pokemon Necron and then come back and win the tournament. <laughs> and then be brought to brought back to life by a Green Lantern ring, except it doesn't work that way. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, you know, he's, but Hal is the williest willer who ever willed. He just, he, he's alive now. Shut up. <laughs> oh, man. Kyle but, had a white lantern ring at the time, too. Huh, weird. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That was real convenient, too. Yeah. Kyle, yeah. Which I, which I always said, I thought that was the, the main point of him becoming a white lantern was because he was going to need to resurrect somebody of relevance, i.e., Hal. It made perfect sense. And he just literally thing? tried to resurrect. All of Korrigor in his last issue of his own book, and the only reason he couldn't was because the people of Korrigor decided he opened the door, but they didn't want to walk through. Listen, I watched a very intelligent and handsome-sounding YouTube video once about how nobody knows what the Light Lantern's (laughs) powers actually are. (laughs) So, so, like, something that I really like about the... I don't remember. Are we out of the Johns era? Are we still in the Johns? No, era? we we can be. We can move anytime we want to. But I, I'm, it's it's up to you guys to say whatever you want about the Johns era because. The, so go ahead, Dan. We can move beyond it unless if you, if your point was you wanted to say something post the Johns era, we it's if, if Corbin, if you want, I'm I'm flexible. It's just like yeah. so. It's up to you guys. Yeah, I mean the thing the thing with me is like I like the concept of the entities. Like, I agree with you, Mark, that, like, Parallax as just a choice made by Hal Jordan is more interesting as a character turn for Hal Jordan. Like, for all the complaints people have about Emerald Twilight, I'll always love it as, like, one of the most interesting things they've ever done with this character. And while I hate losing that to this retcon, the, the way it cracks open the greater Green Lantern mythology is something that I will always love so much and kind of an unfortunate downside to that mythology is that for all of the John's run parallax like the entities never become characters despite the fact that they speak through people so often and speak to people sometimes they're just sort of their power sources that happen to be creatures and once we get out of the John's run we start to see some characterization and personality ascribed to the parallax entity. I mean, that's true actually. Yeah, I think I have a bigger issue with the power scaling with how they're supposed to be compared to regular lanterns and stuff. I think they didn't quite fairly scale them up to as powerful as they should have been during a lot of those things like even uh uh parallax possessed Sinestro, Hal can still go toe-to-toe. You know, there's some things like that I don't think quite worked out, but um, yeah, I've never really considered the personality things, because Lord knows we haven't seen much of any of them besides Parallax and Ion from time to time. The rest of them have just faded into obscurity. And it's usually a momentary thing. If so, Like a Dara was like a Dara for like two seconds. Which was such a waste. Yeah. And even, uh, we even, we even had the Ophidian thing and Hector Hammond longer, I think. The, oh, the one thing I didn't, the one thing I always hated in the, in Blackest Night was when Hal chose to become Parallax again, to go, to go against the Spectre, since he, since he remembered that the Spectre, since he remembered that, by feel, that the Spectre had some natural fear. 
of parallax, which I again, whether that makes any sense that he should or not is debatable. But he, but he, but they've they've kind of established that he did. I hated the fact that Hal didn't have more control over him at that point because first of all, he was wearing a ring, and he knew what he was doing. So I thought I I always thought that was another. I mean, again, it's again, it's it's a weird thing that you know it's supposed to be Hal's book, but on some level, Sinestro gets ends up getting so much on, in the Johns era that you can almost say it's almost like a co-story. That it seems like I'm this okay was like. <laughs> It's almost like it was a golden opportunity to show that what Hal can do now, now that he knows, now that what, now that he understands what's going on and he's not being suckered. Because remember, it's, it's Hal's willpower that eventually enables him to get out to start to, to, so he starts breaking free of Parallax and his influence in Green Lantern Rebirth before the Spectre cleaves them apart physically. So the fact that he's willingly, he's bringing, parallax into him and even arguably because we know there's this weird relationship seemingly that parallax just loves hal jordan as his host more than anything else that you would think he he would be in a way more not that he really was going against what hal jordan wanted him to do for the majority of the issue he wasn't it's just the fact that the idea that you would think hal would have had been in more control and i thought that was a goal that was but i guess they didn't want they probably didn't want to do that because that would again start taking a taking away in any of the act of absolving him absolving what he did in emerald twilight if you show that he really can control it but you still have the out because now he knows what he's doing when he had no idea that was being sucked into him when he was absorbing the power battery. well i, mean, I think I pre- given enough time he probably would have been able to if they wanted to play up that route yeah and i forget if they if they ever outright said this or just left to, left it to be implied but it seemed it always seemed to me that like the more often you you become the host for a specific entity, the less control it has over you. Like, like how, how becomes Parallax's host a handful of times and kind of builds up an immunity to it. Resistance. Yeah. Yeah. To the point that like, there was some issue where Parallax lunges at Hal and Barry and jumps into the flash. And Hal's like, like, no, you know what? We're not doing this. You're here for me. Come on, take me. And, the parallax flash just sort of stands there kind of looking uncomfortable. And we find out that, Oh, something that that's like kind of evolved over time is that parallax is, has learned to be afraid of Hal on some level. That is, that is a, that is a good point. So should we move into the final era? Well, what is the final era? Actually, there's not really, there's really not the, the only stuff that's relevant is it really you have the like I said the bun convergence era get that oven going oh. that uh the you have lights out you have the Sinestro series you have convergence and you have convergence of uh, the Green Lantern Venditti tie-in issues uh and I, the cor- go ahead I don't remember when it happened but when did when did we get that that uh story over in Superman that must have been. I can look it up. Yeah, I don't have it written down. I'm going to say 2016, if not 2016, 2017. Just that because happened how- during the fracturing, so that's during how Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. Right, because that book started in 2016. That's the last entry that I have in my timeline. So I know I was I I yes, because that's where you get you get some you get more of an understanding of Parallax as a, as an entity because of the fact that it's that it's afraid of Sinestro and is basically looking for anything to protect it from Sinestro. Yeah, and, I always like that. St- I always I always like it when traditionally Green Lantern 
villains just show up in someone else's book without bringing Green Lantern with them. So when this like like when Superman is investigating all of these like missing kids only to find them that they're being possessed and the thing possessing them is parallax because it's trying to find a host that it can hide from Sinestro and decides, hey, Superman could probably beat Sinestro and jumps in there. And then we just have this whole adventure where Superman is trying to basically save Parallax from Sinestro and like does like this awesome Superman like talking to you to make you feel better. Only he's talking to Parallax to convince him like, look, go inside this this yellow ring and I promise everything will be OK. I'll give you to the Green Lantern Corps. Sinestro won't be able to hurt you anymore. And like the whole story gives like like this story does a better job of humanizing the parallax entity than any story that gives the entity a human host to talk to speak to. Because it's like for the first time we're remembering that like you said, Mark, it's a living creature and it should be treated like it's a character. I think that's the last time we've seen par- that pa- that parallax, right? Is that the last time we've seen the entity? Uh, I th- well, the last time we saw it was uh the end of Lights Out when they all went to the other side of the source wall and I guess died. No, I mean the I mean parallax. I mean parallax, parallax itself. So, um, let me see, because so that's the that's the la- that's the last thing that I re- that's the last thing that I remember because we know because we know technically not that it'll probably ever be picked up upon. The important thing from Convergence, other than the fact that it was funny seeing Hal kill the stupid villain in like five seconds because he got sick of him talking. <laughs> the, I, I, it's just, a, I mean, they wrote Parallax like an idiot in Convergence, but it is still a funny in a way. It's, a, it's something you can see Hal doing. It's like a, enough of this crap and he just kills the guy and that creates a bigger problem. But besides a really cool, what, though, in, though somewhat inaccurate in getting the events of the zero hour timeline correct. The two the the two issue miniseries of Parallax and Convergence of you know, Green Lantern Parallax was pretty cool. That the important thing is that technically that version of Parallax, a version of Hal Jordan Parallax, still exists because he escaped. He's in the uni- well, he's in the universe somewhere. Didn't he? I'm trying to remember, but didn't he show up in one of the Green Lantern books before flying off? Yeah, that something? was he, he he was in Green Lantern fifty. Okay. In 2016, but that, that was the was last when, time we've seen him too, I believe. That was when Hal had the long hair and the trench coat and the gauntlet. And the gauntlet, yes. Yep. Yeah, that was when it was another another unfortunate classic Robert Robert Venditti great setup, but horrible end. Because they that. gave they took what was supposed to be Parallax from a time before the Entity Recon, but showed him as Monster Teeth. Yes. Entity Recon parallax that was god that that that, i mean i i now it could this could be an editorial thing it could be i mean it's something i probably should when we interviewed him probably should have asked him that but if it either way it's moronic but it's even more moronic if it wasn't editorial forcing you to do that because like you literally have been given the gift of the coolest ass the coolest version of this character somebody who is acting for what for the reasons he thinks are right and is not, you know, jagged teeth, all the stuff. And even, I mean, even the way he was written in, in Convergence and, uh, and then afterwards in the Telos miniseries, you know, they wrote him like an idiot, which always bothered me because it's like, why did you have you dumbed this guy down? 
But his motivation, and he was acting other than being dumb, he was acting kind of like the way Hal would act, being driven by the things that Hal. But then they, but then they kind of retcon. They even did like a retcon on, on this. It's like, oh, somehow he like he blames Hal Jordan for for this, and he and he thinks this Hal Jordan's like a fraud. He wants to wipe this Hal Jordan out for some stupid reason. Like he, it's like he's blaming him for the destruction of Co City. This and almost. And then it's like, oh, I don't I don't it's like they were given this gift, especially when the, the fact that Parallax was one of the heroes that went back and re, restarted or stopped the crisis. And at the end of Convergence that they basically stopped the anti-monitor from from wiping out the multiverse. That here is this chance to have a, actually a heroic version of this character, too. So you not only do you ruin that, but then you start taking him down the road to make, oh, he's going to it's now you could still explore that. You could still explore the fact that, OK, Hal now knows there's a fear entity. in There's something inside of him. What is that going to mean? Is he going to fight this thing now for control? Is he? So there's 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 stories that could be told, but it's like everything else. It's just kind of faded into oblivion. I don't know. I think if if you're going to go to the trouble to bring back a, a zero hour era version of the character, there is no point Unless you're going to have that character not exist with that retcon, because like you, if you want jagged teeth possessed Par- Hal Jordan Parallax back, you can get that anytime you want. That entity can just possess regular Hal Jordan whenever you want. If you're going, if you're going to all these lengths to bring back the specific pre-Jeff Johns version of what Parallax was, then it should be the pre-Jeff Johns version. It should have nothing to do with the entities. Oh, I agree. I, I think it was it was hor- it was horrible decision making. And again, this could be a beautiful example once again of one hand doesn't know what the other hand is doing at DC. It's like, hey, we have this version. It's like, and then it's like, okay, what are we going to do with them? Hey, this is the only thing we know. But then again, let's be honest. Robert Venditti kind of did acknowledge that he didn't he didn't know that. It's not like he was aiming to put Parallax into Green Lantern 50 because it was kind of like a, a tradition now. It was he kind of, it kind of just ha- I mean, it kind of fell into place, but it's not like he had a plan for this. It's like somebody just said something to him, I think. And it's like, oh, so it's I mean, so it's not like there was any there was not a lot of thought to this. And and plus Billy Tan's artwork for Parallax was just so atrocious. Oh, my God. that might, That's the worst. That's the word. That, that was one of the really cool things about everything we saw with Hal and Convergence, including the mini, the two issue series. He was drawn looking like Parallax. It was it was it was cool seeing him in that in that costume again and everything else. And then yeah, Bill, you know, but Billy Tan couldn't draw draw Hal Jordan, period, to save his life. But but <laughs> Parallax, it's even more, it's even more of a sin because the costume does ninety percent of the work for that. But yeah, it's yeah, it's just it's disappointing to see so much of the nuance of of the parallax concept lost because now the short the understood shorthand of what parallax is is oh hal jordan got possessed by a space entity and it made him a villain like that's what that's like the the elevator pitch that most people know parallax to be right i agree i'm nodding <laughs> nodding off or nodding? Uh, no, just nodding. <laughs> uh, I know it's been it's been a lively discussion. Yeah, this this the best thing in a way. The best thing about the about this pseudo error is the fact is the stuff that Bun did with Parallax too. 
uh, yes. him being in being in Sinestro, Sinestro controlling him, even though he had, you know, he had to not quite sorcery, but he had to do some some serious research to be at a control. And just the way he was used, the way he kept using Parallax and everything that was even that some of that was in the Venditti run. But yeah, that that those were the cool things about about Parallax in this era, as far as our Parallax, the en- the entity, the convergence thing is cool because it could have been. But it's just it's just fa- it's just relatively fascinating the fact that again the parallax entity is out there somewhere we haven't seen in in getting close to seven years. Uh, well, wow. no less than no no less 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 than seven. Well, let's see. No, yeah, it's gonna be. Did you find did you find the date for that Sinestro uh Superman issue? Yeah, uh, hold on, I just kind of clicked away because we know the core book started in 2016. So this Superman issue was a rebirth issue, which would make sense because Hal and the Core was a rebirth book. So it was a 2017. 17. Yep. Okay, so we're getting close to six years. We're getting My still, goodness. I know we are, and so it's been a long it's been a long time since we've seen anything to do with. I'm just listen, I, you know, listen. How do, Parallax? You know, you know how young people get. He Parallax graduated from Hal Jordan and he took a few years off to find himself and he'll be back. <laughs> well, I think the main thing is that, like Mark was saying, there's two of them. There's actually two of them out there. So um, we ready to kind of talk the next. Well, I guess the next thing would be like future stuff, possibly. Yeah. So with this dark crisis on Infinite Earths being over and the new. Is it two new books we got coming in March? Not both in March, but two books coming this year. Two books coming. How do you guys think they should deal with the entities going forward? I guess they kind of have a blank slate now. They can actually do anything they want, retcon things, or just create new things since it's kind of a new universe now, right? But not much changed. Yeah, the weird thing about uh, Dark Crisis is that it did bring back a previously destroyed chunk of the multiverse, but it didn't reboot anything else. So like the continuity post dark crisis is exactly the same as it was during and before dark crisis. Okay. So let's, let's throw in the whole reservoir outside the source wall stuff that I really didn't love, but (laughs) the, the entities went back out there to refill it. So now that, Dark Crisis is over. If they really want to, they can kickstart new entities. I guess the first thing is, do you guys think they should change what they look like since some of them are literally being reborn? Well, we have the Rage Seed that's in Earth. That's yeah. the easiest one to bring back at any time because Atrocitus planted it there. Planted it there. Yeah, I think the concept of, of uh, birthing a new set of entities and kind of like 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 let somebody be like the caretaker of each one as it grows and like i don't know like like anything that delves deeper into what they are and who they are and what they what their significance is like is super interesting to me maybe bring like i would love to see like all of those uh those new entity hosts from uh right after Right after Blackest Night or Brightest Day or something like like where we got like the Nicole Morrison for Adara and like all those guys, that EMT that became the host for uh, Prosolite, like yep. all of those characters who existed for one and a half issues and we never <laughs> saw them again. 
Like, just give them each, like, like I, I brought up Pokemon before. Give them each their little baby emotional entities and have them be in charge of raising and, like, like teaching those things, like, how to exist in a turbulent universe. Yeah. It would be cool because, Lord, again, talk about another character we haven't seen in forever. That St. Walker out there somewhere, uh, <laughs> ideally, you know, helping to restart a, a, a another Blue Lantern Corps. That would be a very cool starting point if that's one of the first entities that comes back would be a hope entity, whether it's a Dara or whether it has a new name that the i the idea of of that of bringing but bringing them bringing just like it was so disappointing that you know when parallax didn't go back, and again, this is something you could pick up on too the ramifications of this, the fact that parallax never went. And to refill the reservoir with all the other entities. Oh, that's right. That the, I always thought there was going to be a bigger payoff on that, other than the fact that hey, we really wanted. It's like we really want to use it in the Sinestro book, and that's why, and that's the reason why he's like he can't be he's walled off and you can't get to him. But plus, there's that there's that sense of like, like Parallax was the first entity we came up with. It's the one that the most it's the most famous. That's kind of the main one, so we want to keep that one. Oh yeah, I agree, but but I but that's another story they could revisit. Is there was a ramification for you re, you refilled it, but because not all the entities were and not not all the spectrum was represented, there's there's a problem now. Yeah, as far as the future go, I would of course we have to be careful what we wish for. I would, <laughs> Lord knows, but I I would be happy just having just seeing Parallax again. Any any when I'm talking about any version i'm not gonna i'm not gonna have any hope we're gonna see the conversions parallax anytime soon but i but just seeing parallax or having dealing dealing with dealing with a villain maybe a a new villain we haven't seen before and then you and then you know the the big payoff will be that he's actually a parallax host but we don't haven't realized it up until this moment do something i i think i just want to see something i want to see that part of the the mythos visited again and i think I don't know if I have a lot of confidence in it. it. In a way, it still surprises. Who knows? If it went on long enough, it kind of surprised me that Thorn wouldn't have thought about doing that to Hal just because he dislikes him so much. <laughs> it seemed like tailor made to do it. You think about? I mean, in a story, you think he, it would have been such an easy out, and he could justify it so easy. Yeah, I, I want them back, but as I was saying before, I want them scaled properly. I want them to be something to be feared when they actually show up, like. You know, kind of how like Larflees was when he first appeared. Um, oh and yeah. Of course, and of course, we learned that he had his entity in his battery at the time. So, I, I want them to be feared. I want them to be a big deal. I don't want them to be dealt with so easily. So keep them in reserve. Um, I don't even mind changing some of them since they're supposedly being reborn. Make them look different or different animals or something. Um, and also. Give those interactions between the 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 emotional spectrum back, you know, make it a bigger deal when they're around each other, how they affect each other. Those are just kind of some of the big things um, I wish DC would do. Absolutely. Hey, make Parallax a scorpion because a scorpion is like a spider cross with a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, yeah, that was good. That will be our tagline. Uh, you know, it'll be really interesting too because I don't think we've seen a lot of this. Is that we did get that glimpse of how how it is to be possessed by Parallax, which was the one probably the, the big saving grace of that Kyle Parallax one shot. That it would be interesting just to get a better understanding of how different 
of the actual interaction from a control perspective between entities and their hosts. Uh, it would be, I mean, it doesn't have to be dramatic because obviously you assume anything closer to the middle of the spectrum. You, but then again, that kind of shoots the parallax thing to hell because that's, that's, see, that was part of the problem when you think about it with the parallax retcon too, is that we know that the further you get away on the, uh, to either side of the spectrum, the more controlling it is. And parallax is pretty, the, in yellow is pretty in the middle. So the idea that parallax would be such an all consuming entity that controls you so much, they almost like, he almost like wrote himself into a corner with that where that entity shouldn't have been that powerful from a controlling, well, from a, from a controlling perspective, not raw energy. Like it couldn't be as, it's not like fear and love are the two strongest and nothing can compete with it physically. It's just to me, it just, it's because, you know, ion just supports, I think is how it was explained. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the way you fix that is make the ends of the spectrum that much more extreme. So, like, yeah, the level of control we've seen from Parallax, it seems extreme compared to nothing, which is what green gives you. But when you compare it to the to butcher. love or rage, then, yeah, it's actually you're getting off easy with Parallax. Yeah, I mean, yes, that is true. And we did, and Lord knows we didn't, we didn't see enough of Prozolite in Adara to make any judgment on, even yeah, though yeah. again, we know that's technically the positive side of the No, there's spectrum. no, po- there are no positive emotions, Mark. Watch my channel, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, <laughs> there's nothing positive, period. Fuck all this. <laughs> uh, I mean, the last thing I guess I'll point out is that during <laughs> During Dark Knight's death metal, when the world was a, a post-apocalyptic Mad Max nightmare, Nightwing had an electric guitar that was embedded with with lantern rings, and he called the guitar his parallax. <laughs> Get it? Because an axe is like yes, 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 it. yes. Because like in music, you see, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't, don't even remember. remember I don't even remember if it had any powers. He just had it. I uh, would have to look look that up again. It's been too long. It's so stupid. I've never forgotten it. Makes me glad I never read it. I love it. If, it, was it's a good, it was a good series, though. Yeah, death metal. Specific, like, metal, whatever. Death metal, great. <laughs> I will say you made me nostalgic to actually go back and look at and read some of these earlier things and even some of the John's era stuff that I completely forgot about with, you know, the, the guardians being possessed by the entities and stuff. I have to reread some of that stuff soon. Yeah. I almost, yeah. I had to go back cause I was, cause I did, I, I typed this up and I made the initial timeline and I'm sorry. And then I was, and then I realized I kind of had, sh- even though this is technically the John's era, but I kind of realized that I kind of shortchanged some of the things that I wrote and I went back. Well, and it was like, well, War of the Green Lanterns is important, not just because all the entities are there, but because that's how Krona controls everybody. And because he's put Parallax back into the central power battery since he was the one collecting all the entities in, in post blackest night in brightest day that that, that was, in, that was important. And in the fact that, you know, the whole Sinestro Parallax relationship, you know, really comes to full fruition at the end of, of that era. But yeah, the, the class, the classic Hal Jordan parallax stuff to me is, I just think it's a better character. And I just think it's, it's something that, I mean, you can't, re- most of us can't relate because we can't have that much power, but the, the, but the, but the idea kind of like that, that, in, that intro that uh, in the first graphic novel version of 
of Emerald Twilight when it talks about, you know, with with a Green Lantern ring, you know, you could, you know, pretty much you, you could you can do anything. You can make anything reality if, you know, truly, if you're if you're if you wanted it bad enough. And the idea that and how how basically how Hal Jordan was pushed is that, you know, he was just he was he was just pushed. He was just pushed to the breaking point. And no matter how strong you are, if you get pushed to the breaking point enough, is it that is it in is it really impossible that even somebody as strong willed and as much of a hero that they couldn't crack? And that's what real, that's what the real, that's what the original version of parallax was. So while the fear entity was, it was one of the cooler retcons you could do to try to get Hal Jordan off the hook for as much of what he did. But, and of course, in that issue, you know, he, he possesses Ganthet, which kind of gives you the idea that, Oh, see, this is how powerful and how powerful Parallax is as an entity because he can even control a guardian of the universe and and pretty much make him his bitch for the majority of the time and he can't do anything about it. And you give Hal his moment, you know, when he when when Hal fights against Parallax when he square when when he looks like Hal Jordan Parallax squaring off against all the heroes and Alan Scott again and and that's when everybody finds out the truth. But it's still I like it more because it gave us the entire it was the birth of the whole emotional spectrum. And because of all the entities we've gotten, we got after that and everything and leading to Blackest Night. But as a as a ret, as a retcon, of, in a way. It kind of does, I think, take away from the original character, which was complex and had a lot of like Dan said, the fact that it, it's, he was always written. He was portray- he wasn't necessarily written as a villain, but he was always put into that spot that very rarely did you see. I mean, arguable, e- even in the year one annual. That the whole catalyst for he and Kyle swapping places was because Hal was trying to recharge enough. Ideally, you assume to try, you know, to do something, maybe not zero hour, but to do something else. Ideally, maybe to do zero hour again if he could recharge. But but the idea that even though you get to see a humanized version of Hal and a much more rational version of Hal, that it's it's tough. I I still I still think that version of Hal had a lot of depth to him, and I think they could have they could have. They could have kept him parallax and eventually gave it like they did in final night, gave him a real good moment of sacrifice. But I think they kind of pushed him off the plate just to kind of end the Hal Jordan Kyle Rayner debate. I think that's really probably why they did. But I, you know, conspiracy theory, maybe, but or just partial truth. I I would suspect that at least was a major factor in why they decided to take because that that debate was still going on even after even after Emerald Knights. Even even when Emerald Knights happened, you could see that but Emerald Knights kind of ignited that again, going, "Hey, why can't we have a Hal Jordan in a Kyle Rayner book?" And it's like, "Well, because there can only be one." Because Hal's dead, which is literally what Ron Moore <laughs> said, which was stupid. But I mean, I like I like I like Ron, but back in the day, and you can understand why he potentially maybe would have a chip on his shoulder because of how he was treated. But he he didn't help his own cause, I think, in some interviews. And I remember that was another wizard thing. It's like, well, basically, basically, we because Hal's dead, and it's like, well. And the re- and the easy answer is well, Hal's only dead because DC wants him dead. He can be back in two seconds if you wanted him. Plus, the reality is you had a young Hal version of Hal Jordan. He could have stuck around for a short period of time, and I don't mean like six issues. He, he could have done what the X Men did for like three or four years. How long? How long were the the original X Men back in the present day, Mark? Or not Mark, other one, Corwin. <laughs> the other one. <laughs> but, at least you over there. Refer- but at least I know what he's referring to. <laughs> um, ooh, uh, probably a good, f- I want to say five years. I can actually wow. look that up. 
they were here for a good little bit. And every time you'd think they should send them damn bastards home, they kept kept them around even longer. I'll look that up. You guys can keep going. I'll tell you in a second. Anything else, Dan, on the on your or thoughts on Parallax, either one or as a whole from the create from creation to where we are? You know, I had never really thought about it before, but this conversation is making me realize that just because of how early on in my comic reading I I experienced some of these stories, I think the reason I love I love and want so much to see like stories take big swings, big chances and have lasting consequences is Hal's journey from Emerald Twilight through Rebirth because I mean the conventional wisdom with this kind of thing is that oh you'll have the character fall from grace and then in a year or two he'll be back to the status quo he wasn't a Green Lantern again for real for a decade yep and every time it looked like maybe they would go with go back on it they doubled down they're like oh okay we're not we're actually not going to make him green lantern again we're going even harder on parallax and then when we're 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 killing him and then okay we'll bring him back from the dead no he won't be green lantern we're making him the specter and then while we're at it we're also going to dramatically redefine what the specter is it's like they just kept doubling and tripling down on on making big risky moves that fundamentally change something about these like long established classic characters and properties and they stuck to their guns for as long as they possibly could to the point that there were plenty of people believe that it would never go back probably just because like well if they were going to do it been almost a decade they would have done it or already right and like i just it's so it's so bizarre and impressive to look back on that era just because like you kind of like I couldn't imagine them doing something like that today and sticking to it for half as long. Well, the original X-Men were here literally almost six years, November 2012 to December 2018. All right. Maybe a little over half as long <laughs> for anything like that. That's 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 impressive because it, w- it would have been real easy. Honestly, if they really wanted to be done with Hal. It would have been real easy just to keep him as the specter for a certain period of time, have some big event in which something had to happen. And how would make a big enough sacrifice and do it and and do enough where he could he basically he could get his redemption. He could go to heaven. And case closed on Hal Jordan. And actually, I would have been fine with that at the time. I enjoyed Hal as the specter enough that they had kept him as the specter long enough, even after they, you know, they shit canned his book. That eventually give him his moment in the sun where he or like kind of the opposite of Galactus, where Galactus is destined or almost not necessarily the opposite, but in going about it in a different way. The idea that Galactus is destined to give back more than he's taken. And that's and that's why he has a purpose. And that's why he's not necessarily evil, that eventually Hal will do enough good that whatever evil he did or quote unquote evil he did in the past would be completely negated and he would have earned his redemption. And then he could move on and he could get a new host for the Spectre. And you close the door, the final nail on the, literally in the coffin on the Halvers Kyle debate. 
that they could have they could have gone that route and it, and it and may and again who knows maybe that's they may very well have gone that route if Jeff Johns wasn't rising to power pretty much almost at, at the same time as these some of these stories were being developed you know he was he wrote the day he wrote Day of Judgment Hal showed up in in Justice Society he was writing Justice Society he showed up with Wally in the Flash he was writing the Flash so Jeff Johns was a big he kept pushing the 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 Hal Jordan Spectre train down going. That doesn't mean he necessarily had this plan all along of what he wanted to do. It's not like he this, he may have. I don't think he's ever. I don't know if he's ever talked about how when he came up with all this stuff. But maybe he had an idea even back when he made Hal the Spectre all, all along. But the reality is, even if he didn't, the point is he was a driving force to get us to the point of where everything fell into place. Where Kyle's book wasn't selling that well. It was time to kind of do a change, just like why they did it with bringing Kyle in and getting Hal out to begin with, and everything fell into place. And that's all I have to say about that. Anybody else? You just sound like Forrest Gump. For yes, a I was trying to sound like Forrest Gump. So obviously I succeeded very well. Uh, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Um, not to think about and hopefully, fingers crossed, these next series is going to be excellent because I've been severely lacking some Green Lantern in my life. Actually, I've been lacking DC pretty much altogether. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, well, there is some some stuff coming up soon that seems like it's a really cool, particularly The Flash. Corin, if you're a fan of The Flash at all and you haven't been reading the current book, it's been a Wally West series for the last year or two. And uh, they've got this like storyline coming up this year where it's like, hey, an alien invasion happened but all their technology is powered by the speed force. So it's the flash family in a, a full scale war against alien invaders. And the entire arc takes place in one real time minute. Ooh. Yeah. I think it's literally going to be called the one minute war. And it sounds rad as hell. It is an interesting concept. There is a uh, changing subject on you because X-Men stuff, but yeah. there is a Chris Claremont story. I think it's called like 48 seconds. Where like the Shi'ar Death Commandos wipe out the Gray family, and the whole issue takes place in like literally a minute. It was a really good issue. Wow! I'll find some issue numbers for you on that one too, if you're interested. Huh, that sounds really cool. It does sound cool. Yeah, stupid Gray family. Cool <laughs> All right, Dan, start our closing. Well, now that you've heard everything the Lantern Cast has to offer, you should go to youtube.com slash C slash Mosaic Comics. Yeah, so I'm going to have to fire another host. No, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> you can't fire me. I quit. Maybe, maybe Chad is hiring. <laughs> you will see things my way. I can fix it. I can make it better. I can, set, I can set it all right. Got Somebody needs to do fan art of like Hal Jordan working at a Starbucks and somebody he like. He makes somebody's like, like latte wrong, and goes, "No, I can fix it. I can." <laughs> oh, make you know one it. thing, real quick. Oh, now you you finish your closing. I'll say this at the end. I just something just dawned on me. Good. Okay. Uh, just no, just like Mosaic Comics. It is my YouTube channel where I talk about comics I love, mostly Green Lantern, but not all the time. Uh, this is probably coming out close to February, right? So uh, I have I have some I have some some cool stuff lined up for february a month that as far as i'm concerned should be a bigger deal for green lantern since well two reasons really first it's black history month and green lantern has 
a handful of very prominent black heroes, including one of the biggest ones in all of comics, but also because it's the month that contains Valentine's Day, and there's an entire subcategory of the Green Lantern universe dedicated to exploring the power of love. So to that end, I have three videos coming out in February. One is going to be a deep dive on the entire history of fatality, her time as a bounty hunter, her time as a star sapphire, her complicated relationship to Jon Stewart and Zanshi and all of it is a wild time. Second is I found a Jon Stewart story that you probably remember, Mark. It is from a, a, I believe it's an 80 page giant in the nineties where the framing device was John guy and Allen sitting around in the Warriors bar swapping stories from the Golden and Silver Age. And there's a Jon Stewart story in that anthology that is depressingly as relevant as it was the day it was published. So this is a good opportunity to talk about that. And I'm going to round out the month with a fun thought exercise I've been wanting to do for a long time, where I sit down and I go over in sometimes painful detail how dc could make a star sapphire ongoing comic book series anytime they want using nothing but the characters plot threads and options that have always been right sitting right there on the table waiting and that is the one i'm most excited about so if any of that sounds interesting to you, or you just want to see some more Green Lantern analytical content in general, go on over to Mosaic Comics. Hopefully you see something you like, and if you do, maybe subscribe so you'll be able to see more of it. Corwin? Uh, listeners can find me at EarthsMightiestPodcast.com, where we have the EMP podcast, all about the Avengers, and the EMX podcast, all about the X-Men. And you are definitely going to want to hear... This month's episode, which probably should be out by Monday for you Lantern Cast listeners. Ooh, cool. I- I'm tantalized. <laughs> <laughs> you teased. Well, I wanted to mention because it just dawned on me ever so briefly before I wrap up. Because I know I asked I asked our former host if he had ever read this or had heard of this issue. I don't think he ever did. Did you, anybody ever read the Incredible Hulk 426 back during Peter David's run? No, because this is a this is an issue. Liam Sharp was the art artist on it. Uh, the interesting thing about this issue is like it's it's weird. It's like Bruce Banner's like he's he's in Bruce Banner form, but he's like and got the mind of the Savage Hulk because something's gone horribly wrong. And he's like in, he's institutionalized and Doc Sampson is working with him. But there's a character in this book who they just referred to as H.J., who looks like an emaciated version of Hal Jordan. And he purposely talks about basically. He, he he talks specifically in the issue about like he's like don't, like you can't you can't break my con- don't break my concentration because I'm holding all reality together and things like that. So it's absolutely straight up a a reference slash parody of 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 how Jordan is paralyzed. He's like wearing pajamas, mind you, because he's institutionalized. But the point of the view, <laughs> but but the but the dialogue, the, he's making it clear that he that he is being that he's spe- he's speaking as if he were Parallax, Hal Jordan. So that just hit me. <laughs> so whenever whenever Parallax isn't on the page, whenever we can't see Parallax, he's seeking psychiatric help in the Marvel universe. <laughs> Year was this issue? This issue does this is not helping me. It is not helping me. But I think it was. 95 looks like it was 95 so that would kind of fit into the 
pre-final night error, but that's it. So, and on that note, lanterncast at gmail.com. Website is lanterncast.com. You can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook, hashtag geocast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a text or voicemail, 708 Lantern, and let us know what you think. And speaking of that, Lance, I do have both of your voicemails. One's referring to Jim and I in our pre-birth, and one referring about Dan and I when we did the John Stewart Emerald Night. So I have not forgotten. It's just a matter of fitting it in at the appropriate time, which will be soon. And that is that. So oh, also, I ju- you just Good. reminded me. I'll throw this in there. Uh, over on my channel, there have been a couple of people that said that they started listening to the Lantern Cast once we hit 500, and they're starting from the very beginning and working up in order. So, uh, hey, if you make it this far, hello, welcome. <laughs> God help them. <laughs> and we and we heartily recommend skipping all the Chad Bolkerman episodes. So that'll make listening a lot easier. <laughs> uh, oh, so. Lordy. Oh, Lord. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. What's up, guys? I know you're talking about Parallax tonight. Mark is probably ranting and raving about the teeth design and all that shit. Which, by the way, I'm just going to be honest, but it's extreme. Yeah, I don't like it. But you have to admit that the other entities, when they enter a host, they don't necessarily seem to the color of that particular person. For instance, when Parallax enters Hal or Kyle, like he's still got the green sort of, you know, take on the the Daryl Banks green Parallax suit, right? But when he enters Flash, he's just in the Flash costume. And when he enters uh, uh, Sinestro, it's a yellow version of the Parallax costume. So color isn't necessarily a, a consistent thing uh, denoting that Parallax has possessed somebody. So you have to have some sort of visual marker, right? Um, maybe that could just be the costume or something. Um, but I don't know. The teeth can be a denoter sometimes. I, I go back and forth on it, but I do agree in some regard. It's not really the best. But I, I wish I was there, guys. It's uh uh, I'm having fun, but uh, you know, as much as I love the DC universe, I don't know nearly as much about it as I know about Green Lantern. And you know, when I started uh, with the, the Lantern cast, I didn't know much then, and I kind of grew in my knowledge. And I guess I could do that out here, but there's something uh, confidence building, I guess, and reassuring about being able to, you know, be a uh, you know a lanternologist, I guess, let's say. You know, knowing all about a certain topic or a lot about a certain topic, whereas when I talked on the Power of the Atom podcast, I don't know much about that series or the little Peyton Starman or when I spoke with uh, the EMX guys about X-Men and, you know, I don't know. Uh, maybe I should come back or something. Let me know what you guys think. Uh, have a good episode. Bye. What would we like to see of Parallax in the future besides, like, just seeing him? <laughs> Pressed toothpaste sponsorship. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, and that still wouldn't justify that for me with those teeth. <laughs>
But it would yeah, be but fun. imagine walking down the aisle and looking at the toothpaste and seeing that little graphic of Hal Parallax smiling on the Ugh. on the thing, holding a tooth like a a toothbrush up and about to be like, "Haha, I'm gonna rush now. I'm gonna retcon all this tartar." <laughs> this is good. I might actually have to throw this at the end. 